welcome back to A Dose of Dog. Um, I am Heather Mashevsky, and uh, today we're going to talk about rescue dogs. I know we've, we've kind of hit on different tangents of bringing a rescue dog into your home, um, but today I have a guest. So today we have Carrie Hoare, who's from La Crosse. She owns Crimson Hound. Um, Carrie is a certified professional dog trainer, a, um, a IWABC accredited dog trainer. Um, Carrie's also a family dog mediator, which is the applied ethology course, which kind of looks at the, the dog's behavior through the lens of ethology. Um, Carrie is a trauma-informed prep professional. And holy cow, Carrie, I'm probably missing some things in there because you have a whole <laughs> list of credentials. <laughs> and I think, you know, I mention it because we've talked a lot on this podcast, too, about how it's really important to find someone who is credentialed, who does have the chops, who seeks out education, and Carrie has all those things. And I probably missed some, Carrie, so I probably missed a whole bunch. <laughs> so if there's anything you want to throw in there that I missed in terms of certification. Um, nope. The only other would be um, the Aggression and Dogs uh, Masterclass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, welcome. Thank Gosh, you. So we're going to talk a little bit of rescue, rescue things. And Carrie, you also are a Humane Alliance of Rescue Trainer. You're on the Humane Alliance of Rescue Trainers too. So tell us a little bit about that because um, that's like a really cool organization. It is. It is a really nice organization that started out in uh, more on the West Coast, um, but it is an organization that is growing. They're looking for trainers and also taking in more, more uh, adding on more rescues and stuff. They work with rescues and shelters who have dogs either in the shelter, in foster, or recently adopted, like a dog that's been in a new home for less than six months. Mm -hmm. um, dogs that they're having behavioral issues with, it could be separation anxiety, it could be resource guarding, it could be the dog is fearful, the dog is barking at the, at the foster, et cetera. And um, they uh, match that, that dog, that dog and partner or, or human partner with a, one of the uh, rescue Alliance trainers. And we offer up to four sessions for free with that person trying to help them work through their behavioral issues. Um, it's really a, Primarily virtual um, because they can be matched with people. I've been matched with some people in Minnesota up in the Minneapolis area. I've also been matched with people in California, Colorado, and, and um, Seattle. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it's very neat. It's a really nice way because then it's it's free behavioral help. You're getting a trainer who is certified, who has been vetted by the organization so that you know it's, it's you know, it's going to be a, a good one. Um and it's free. You get four free sessions. Yeah. I, it, one of the things that is always hard to see is that dogs that are placed that are coming out of rescue environment, and then they just don't have resources. And mm -hmm. then as we both know, it's kind of a bit of, you know, a wild, wild west when you look for a dog trainer and trying to find someone who is credentialed, who is, um, has extensive experience in behavior modification and looking at rescue dog issues. It's, it's hard to find that I think. So gosh, having a, like a single resource that says, Hey, here's some places to help that help you and, and free. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so how yeah. does someone apply or how does someone seek out a trainer? Does the rescue aligned with a trainer from that organization? Is that how it lines up and they find them? Yeah. Yep. Okay. The, the foster would contact the rescue and say, here's the problems I'm having. Mm -hmm. Then the rescue or shelter gets a hold of heart and, um, 
then they basically send out a call. Here's a dog. Here's the issues it has. Do you think that you um, have the tools in your toolbox to help this dog? Would you like to work with them? Mm. Um, so yeah, so you're not farmed out to a trainer who's never worked with that before. Ah. Um, there is a specific set of trainers who work with separation anxiety cases. So you're getting a, basically a certified separation anxiety trainer oh. to work with you. So yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal organization. That's amazing. I, I, I mean, we both have probably had experiences where the dog is newly adopted and then the rescue kind of disappears <laughs> and then they're kind of left with, with maybe this is the first dog and gosh, that's a really hard, those are hard problems to solve. If you're, you're coming into it with not a lot of experience. Well, even people with experience with a lot of dog experience, there's a lot of issues out there that, that really need professional intervention that, and it's mm-hmm. expensive. Like we know that. It yeah. is. Yeah. You know, and I just actually just recently worked with a case where um, the rescue wouldn't take the dog back. The The family oh. was having behavioral oh. issues after about a year and a half, which is kind of typical with the oh. dog starting to reach social maturity. And the rescue said, no, we won't take it back. And, yeah. you know, so that's another thing is, is the rescue or shelter that you're working reputable that um, yes. they're going to help you with some follow through. Gosh, Carrie, I had a dog in your like- home. I had a case like that, that about, oh, now it's been about a month, but the same thing. Yeah. Um, nope. Won't take, didn't have a bite history. Like just, issues yeah, this violent. one didn't either. And yeah. yeah, no, we won't take him back. So oh, it's, that yeah, hurts. it's tough. That hurts your heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So the dog was taken in by a different rescue and it happens to be one that reached out to me um, probably a year and a half ago. Um, and so I regularly consult with them on different cases that they have. And, and they're very proactive. We have got this dog who's over exuberant or we're seeing this or that. And they're very proactive if they call me in before they adopt the dog out, you yeah. know, so. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, gosh, we'll put the link to heart up on the website. Cause it's a fantastic, what a great, what a great service and, and being able to provide credentialed help to people is just so yes, important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause it's easy as we both know, it's easy to just go on the internet and look it up. And yeah, <laughs> that is not yeah. the best. Practice. <laughs> so let's get into some rescue dog stuff, seeing that we're talking about rescue dogs. Cause I feel like, especially over the pandemic, I mean, everyone got dogs, right? Like we're kind of living in this, like everyone has a dog or two. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the dogs that maybe have come out of certain situations will end up having issues of some sort, which, I mean, don't we all eventually <laughs> as <Yeah>. humans? <laughs> yeah. um, so I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you know, getting or bringing in a dog maybe with a bit of an unknown history and kind of first steps and and next steps to kind of look at. So, you know, I think the first piece we can look at is how do you even go about searching? And I, I know we talked about reputable rescues, which is another important piece, but even just matching a dog to your home. So, you know, people will start the process just going on like pet finder, but then narrowing it down to your family. So are there pieces of, of advice you'd give people if they're seeking out a rescue dog, both in where to find them? And then what are some important pieces to kind of keep in the back of your head to make sure it is going to be a good match? Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would look at, at rescues in the area, um, kind of what are their policies? Like one, number one is ask them if I have trouble down the road, Mm -hmm. will you offer me help? Will you take the dog back? Um, you know, um, I I prefer to, I, I think foster based is it's 
harder to find because it's hard to find fosters. But if yeah, you can find a dog who's been in a foster, they know a little bit more about how that dog is going to act in a home environment. Cause we know that a dog doesn't act the same way in a shelter as it does in a home. Yeah. Um, I have the most well-adjusted little 13 year old Australian shepherd who would not ever be adopted out in a shelter. She would just be mm. a, a basket case. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then, you know, you, then you can ask the foster those questions. You know, I think a lot of it is kind of thinking ahead of time as to what are your, what do you envision for this dog to be? What do you want to do with this dog? Mm-hmm. Do you want it to be your running partner? Do you want to go camping with it? Do you want to, you know, just go for slow walks with it? What do you want it to be? Um, what, what is your lifestyle? travel a lot are you gone all day do you have kids do you have a yard yeah. um you have a lot of kids things, that come over <laughs> yeah you know because that kind of lends into um a lot of kind of the the breed specific things that we breed dogs for you know if you have an open door policy and people are coming in and out of the house maybe like one of the guardian breeds like a great pyrenees or a, a even a saint bernard it's not going to be the dog for you because they're like a bouncer at the door and they want yes. to know if you have a ticket. And if you don't have a ticket, you're not coming in. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. You know, if you have a small kids and a lot of chaos in your house, the, the herding breeds are who just chaos literally blows their mind and they need to control it. Yeah, yeah. Micromanaging. And then, or the, like the bully breeds of the terriers are going to feed off of that energy and then become, you've got your kids are wired and now the dog is wired and now they're all, you know, now we have complete chaos. Actually, um, you know, years ago we used to, I mean, when I started, which was like a long time ago, I mean, remember when we just used to kind of say, well, a dog is a dog and it's nature versus nurture. Like, look at what we know now and yeah. how important exactly your point of of most people will pick dogs for what coat color and cuteness I think is kind of what they'll choose a dog but holy cow how important is it to look at what was that dog bred to do um what was its job what what behaviors are you going to see in its behavioral repertoire that mm-hmm. might be maladaptive in that environment or not appreciated perhaps in that environment yeah that is just such a good point um because people will ask and they probably ask you does breed matter and, and yes, we both know there is the golden that falls outside of the bell curve of the golden um but you know most of the breeds that are out there they look a certain way because they're carrying the genetics of being that breed yeah so gosh, that is such a good point to look at yeah um, I've got a I've got a case that I've been working her for well with a couple years now um she did all her homework and she went and found a dog that was half Australian Shepherd and half Great Pyrenees mm-hmm. and she in her mind, she had grown up with an Australian Shepherd who was not a herdy dog. And she has two small kids. And she called me in first because the dog was hurting the children around the house. Mm. And so we worked with, you know, how can we, how can we work with that around the kids um, working with long lines and can the dog learn to watch the kids? Can we teach the dog to go get a toy rather than grabbing at things? you know, things like that. And then we talked a little bit about here's some things we should proactively work on because of the Great Pyrenees part of it. And, you know, so can the dog just watch, sit up on the porch and watch the environment, not following deer off into the woods and things. And what are you going to do when the UPS guy comes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that? And so we worked through that 
And I hadn't heard from her in probably a year. I just heard from her last week. Hey, can you come back out? He's about two. Oh, and yeah. we're starting to have trouble with people coming on property. And so this classic thing of the first thing that the dog is, is the herding because that's, you know, dogs start herding when they're seven weeks old, if they're, oh, yeah. a, if they're a shepherd. And, but we don't see that guarding behavior come out until the dog reaches about a year and a half and two years old. And that is often when we see some of those traits come out, which is why the most common time for dogs to be returned to shelters and rescues is at a year and a half and two years old. Because he was fine as a puppy, everybody could pick him up, everybody could touch him, and then he hit social maturity, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I don't like that. I have a job now, so you know, I have a job now." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those cases, Karen, can't you can almost just pinpoint like when you're going to see fear, when you're going to see like that big genetic component, can't you? Yeah, and I think yeah. it's hard for people. It's so hard. Like, holy cow, you go to a shelter or you are online and you see a great Pyrenees puppy, like, holy cow, bring that thing home. I mean, oh my, yeah, yeah. that is such a hard override of our hearts to say, okay, yes, holy cow, cutest thing in the whole universe. But I live in an environment where I have, you know, people coming to help at the house, or I have a lot of teenage kids coming in and out, in and out, or whatever your environment is going to look like. It's hard to bypass maybe dogs that might be a better fit in another home for mm-hmm. if you think they're the most adorable thing in the whole universe. <laughs> yeah. That's such you a know, really- yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that really calls to us too, is a dog that has issues. Yeah. You know, the dog mm-hmm. that is maybe has three legs or the dog that has been in the shelter for 765 days and nobody has adopted it. And oh my gosh, I can fix everything to do with that dog. And I think you really have to think through, am I willing to follow through with all the things that dog needs from as simple as grooming needs? Doodles are lovely dogs and everybody wants one, but you tend to see them with a real short haircut because people don't want to follow through with the daily grooming that those dogs absolutely have to have. Um, If you don't enjoy enjoy that, that's a hard that's doing something you don't necessarily enjoy once a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. A, that's, that's hard to fit stuff into our week. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And it's something that, that you, you need to teach the dog to enjoy too. So you've yep. got to start early and, you know, and think about, and, you know, and, and are you willing to put up baby gates? Are you willing to not have food on your counters? Um, are you willing to block off areas of your house to oh. keep the dog from chewing on your kids' toys? Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of just kind of thought that goes into, and then if the rescue says no, I, I think it's really easy to, how dare they, I'm mm. the perfect home. That's a good and point. sometimes it is for the, you know, they are thinking more of what is best for the dog, you know? And so if you saw a lovely little border collie mix that was fluffy and adorable and cute, and you know, you you would love it but you live in an apartment with three roommates and you're, you know, at school all day or work all day. And the rescue says, no, that dog needs more space. It needs, you know, it's going to need just more than what you can offer it. Um, I think it's really easy to say, Oh, that's a horrible rescue. And how dare they? And if we take a step back and kind of think through why did they say no and maybe ask them, what would you, you know, what would you recommend in my situation? Yeah. Um, 
at that, you know, and, and I know there's rescues that, you know, they're just, they draw a line of, if you don't have a fenced yard, you don't get a dog. Yes. Um, you know, or if you have a 15 year old dog that is not neutered, no, you can't have a dog. Um, and even though your vet says your dog is too old to even have the surgery, the, yeah. the rescue says, no, sorry, you can't have a dog. I know there's those rescues out there, yeah. but um, there are some really good ones out there. And, and if they tell you no, and they tell you why, think about whether or not it makes sense and maybe follow through with kind of what the recommendations are. That's probably just good information to say, gosh, you know, I never considered that I do have a lot of people into the house and maybe this particular breed or mix might not be a good fit for that environment. Not for you, not saying you couldn't love them completely and openly and everything, but yeah, Mm -hmm. those are good things to consider because I do think that emotional piece comes up right away. (laughs) Yeah. People have when when there's a situation where someone says maybe this isn't a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I think the other thing you could do is be very proactive and contact a trainer mm-hmm. and ask them. Here's my circumstances. I want to get a dog. What breed do you recommend? Could you help oh, me find a dog? We love those people. We love those people. Yeah. <laughs> could you help me find a dog? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that, and then you've already got that relationship set up. So if down the road you need a little bit of help on something, or if you know unfortunately the dog has some behavior issues you've already got a relationship with somebody yeah that's a fantastic idea I think I think your point too about well we want to help them and holy cow we do but I think people underestimate how much management and work a lot of these behavior issues are they're not things that are fixed in the first three weeks you know they're not something that you're bringing them home and love is going to cure them I mean that is helpful yes (laughs) like you know Secure attachment is helpful, but, but there's so many other things that will go along with it. And financially, I mean, that's another piece to Mm -hmm. consider. Is this going to be a six month problem? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I took in a flag rescue that we had came, came into our national club rescue and everyone was like, I'll take her, I'll take her, I'll take her severe separation anxiety. And I was supposed to have for three weeks and I had for six months before I was comfortable, you know, placing her in a home. And even, and she regressed once she got there, which of course she did. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's, I mean, most people aren't thinking, well, this is going to take, this is a problem that maybe I'm going to take the next year and a half to really work on. I mean, that's kind of yeah. overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they can't be fixed. And so, yeah. And they shouldn't be sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can't, you can't, there's things you can't cure. There's things that love doesn't fix. And yeah. can you live your life with a reactive dog that's reactive on leash and is not going to be the dog that you can take everywhere and do everything with? And can you live with that? Yeah. Oh, those are such good questions to ask. I think they're questions that aren't always out there either because we do see the visual and say, oh my gosh, yes, I want a um, a coon hound puppy or I want, you know, a dog that's been bred for a purpose and we forget that that purpose is still in there <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah, those, are, yeah. those are such great points. Um, let's talk about, so those are such great things to consider like before you bring a dog in. What do you think? So let's say you get the dog. Um, what would you recommend Carrie the first, you know, first couple weeks, first month? Um, really, really solid pieces to put in because I think, the other thing that happens is people are so excited to get a dog. They get that dog. And I just had a client a couple of weeks ago. They took him right to the dog park and that did not go well. Um, or, you know, to the brewery or whatever. And I think 
and I think people, I don't want to fault them. They're just really excited that they now get to share their life with this animal. But, but, but <laughs> there are pieces to remember when you bring that animal home. So what can you speak to? Yeah. You bring a dog in. What are some really key pieces to kind of consider those first couple of weeks? Yeah, I think the first thing you've got to think of is this dog has been taken away from absolutely everything it, it has ever known. You are new. Everything is new. It doesn't even know where to go to the bathroom, where to get food or if it's going to get food. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like the, the first, I think the three main caveats are relationship over obedience. You want to spend the first couple of weeks building your relationship with that dog. Love that. (laughs) Comfort over appearance. Mm -hmm. You know, if that dog is, is you need that dog to decompress and feel comfortable with you in your home before you start bringing in friends and taking in places. So if your neighbor says, Oh, I see you got a puppy. I want to come see it. Feel like it's okay to say he's not ready yet. Yeah. You know, we're working on some things at home and then quality over quantity, yeah. you know, quality in interactions versus too much and, and too. So um, I think oh, of I things like three. when you bring him into the house, make sure he has a safe space mm-hmm. that he can go to, that you're not going to bother him. If he decides to go hide under the coffee table and, and that's his safe space, then make it a comfortable spot, put a dog bed under there. Um, and when he's under there, he just leave him alone, just leave him alone. Um, let the dog drive the, drive the interactions. Mm. So when the dog comes out and solicits interactions, that's when to pet. If the dog isn't coming to you, then just give it time and let the dog, you know, talk to the dog, read to the dog um, and just let the dog come to you when it's comfortable. Um, Because a a lot of times it is because we're so primates. We want to be hands on and we, we think that hugging makes everybody feel better. Yeah. And that dog is like, no, I just want to be left alone to process, you know? And so we do things like we, okay, we'll do treats. So we, we lure him out with a piece of bacon and we give the dog a treat and the dog grabs the bacon and he runs away. And then we give him another one. He comes up and he stays there for a second, waiting to see if you have a piece and you reach out and pet him him. and he in touch him. The dog's like, okay, you have just ruined all of the trust that you built up in the last minute and a half. And nope, I'm not coming towards you again. So you're going to grab me. Um, oh so my I gosh, think, yes. Yeah, I think pet consent. I think everybody should learn how to read body language. Oh yeah. Um, so know the key things that tell you that that dog is not comfortable. If he won't hold eye contact, he's licking his lips or yawning out of context. Um, just the dog's not comfortable. So the best thing to do is make distance. That's the quietest way that the dog can whisper I'm too close please make it go away gosh I wish Um, I almost wish in the world that before you got a dog you had to take a course on body language it's just yeah it's so so powerful and I think once like for you and I once we teach people about it holy cow does it open up their eyes like oh my gosh it doesn't my dog doesn't like going to t-ball games or my dog doesn't like yeah and you know my big uncle with a big hat comes in or whatever it might be. Yeah, man. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Oh yeah. And it's almost a curse these days on social media because it's really hard to watch a lot of those videos. It is. It is. Yeah. Cause you're just waiting for, you oh. know, stop doing that. I was at the great big dog aggression uh, workshop yes. this weekend yep. and he showed a few videos and, and it was oh. just, you just want to shout people to people back away, cross the street. Don't do that. <laughs> 
Um, you know, and then I think the other thing is to think of the dog is a flight risk. If that dog gets away, he's not going to come to you. He doesn't know you. Yeah. So safety over anything else. So when he's, if you've got a fenced yard, make sure you check the yard to make sure there's no way the dog can climb over or go under. There's no crevices in the fence that he can get out of. When you take him outside, take him out on a leash or on a long line so you can get a hold of him if you need to. I would limit walks, but if you do take him anywhere on a walk, a double leash, a harness yep. and a collar with a leash on both of those so that... Because if that dog gets away, he is not coming back to you. No matter how much you love him in the first two weeks, yep. he doesn't know you. He's not going to come back. Yeah. The rare dog will, but most dogs will not. Yeah. Gosh, I love those three. Will you repeat those, Carrie, the three pieces? Because I think those are so, those are such solid pieces, your three. Yeah. I think it's relationship over obedience. Yes. Comfort over appearance. Yep. And quality over quantity. Yes. Oh, I love those. Those are such so perfect to, yeah. to consider. And it, it all it, it puts the it it puts the dog in a different position too, to like like it's not our needs at this moment. Like our needs have been met. The dog is in our house. Now we have to look at their needs. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, in time and patience, you've got years ahead with that dog. So you've got years to do the the pub visits and the you know, the hikes and all that stuff right now, it is building your relationship with that dog. So when he does get loose, yeah, he's going to come right back to you. Oh gosh. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I had a dog who it was a rescue, a puppy mill dog, a small breed dog. And it took, oh my gosh, Carrie, I want to say two over two years, not quite two and a half years before that dog would sit on her lap. Um, and I remember the one day she sent me a selfie of just like, oh my gosh, don't move, don't move, <laughs> don't pet, don't move, just enjoy the moment. <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, that it gives me goosebumps to think about because we work so hard to get that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so that, those kind of stories are so fantastic. Oh, well, I love the next steps. So what about, so you get through those first couple months um, what other pieces of advice would you give people kind of going forward? So you get through those first, you know, two, three, four months and the dog is comfortable. Um, when would you say, like, if you started to see behavior issues, when you'd start to see them and we know, you know, developmentally, we know the timeline of like the dog is an adolescent and then they're, or they're a puppy and then they're a teenager, you know, from five to six months till two, two and a half, three for some big dogs. <laughs> yeah. So next I think I think usually it, it, the dogs are in the home for two, three weeks, maybe a month when they start feeling comfortable enough to be themselves and start exploring and maybe testing, you know, what, what happens if I do this? And, you know, we all do that, test the boundaries. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when people start seeing, you know, he was great for the first two weeks and doing anything while well, he was shut down and terrified. He didn't know if what was going on and now he's feeling comfortable. So he's testing. And so I think it's about three weeks in Yeah, that you would see, you would see it, you know, and the first thing I would do the first thing I always tell people is go to the vet. Yes. Oh gosh. Make sure that it's not something medical or pain that's no. causing it. Um, and don't just depend on what the vet finds on exam. So come with a notebook full of 
is he limping? Is he grumpy in the morning and happy the rest of the day? Um, is he, does he startle awake and then growl? You know, what are the things that you're seeing? Take video of when he's just walking around the house so that they can see those things. Because once he gets into the bed, he's going to be scared and, and wow. he's not going to show pain and things with the vet. Um, and then your next step is contacting a trainer yeah. um, for help. Well, so and I don't, think so don't wait. That don't observations. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that observational data that you talk about is so crucial, especially with the dog you don't know the history of, like being able to watch those things. Did they get up and they always shift to their left when they, when they rise? Um, are they lowering their head into their water bowl? Are they, um, I mean, all of those pieces are so important. Do they not want to eat at night? I mean, gosh, think about yeah. how important all those pieces are. And that's, I mean, as we all have talked about before, that's how dogs tell us things. So those mm -hmm. little pieces are so crucial to find patterns or being able to take that information to your veterinarian and say, oh my gosh, this is what I'm seeing, um, you know, and, and do an exam kind of based on a lot of those things. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, and I think the, I mean, heart is such a great, that's such a great, re that's going to be such a great resource for people. Um, mm -hmm you know, finding qualified credentialed trainers in your area, again, super important as we've talked about. Um, yeah. Well, and if, and again, if your associate, if your rescue is associated with heart, they will provide help for you within, you know, after that dog has been adopted and in the home for six months or less, you yeah. still qualify to be able to go through heart with your rescue. So don't wait, you know, yeah. if you wait until you've been trying to work through it for a year, um, number one, the dog has been practicing that for a year. And number two, uh, some of those free resources aren't going to be there anymore. Uh, gosh, what an awesome resource. Yeah. Yeah. And better is always earlier. You guys, I mean, you start to see little pieces, those little pieces usually don't go away. They, they, if they're not addressed, they will build and they will build and they will build. And then there will be a bite history or there will be something that happens <laughs> that is kind of the crescendo. And that's usually when people will reach out is, oh my gosh, you know, the dog's been growling at this person for this amount of time. And then this happened. And now the person, you know, need to go to the hospital. Like, holy cow, intervention well before that <laughs> is so yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Carrie, we could talk forever. We're gonna have to do another one. So now, I mean, we haven't even covered all the things. So we're gonna have to do another one and do... <laughs> um the next set of now you have an older rescue dog um and and some things to add in so we're gonna have to do a part two at some point because we did not Sounds have enough good, yeah yeah um, this was well, fun. Can we, where can everyone find you so tell us where we can where we can find you um I'm in lacrosse I do private um one-to-one -one training with people virtually or in their homes in kind of the Cooley region area so I travel within about 40 miles of lacrosse. Okay. Um, my website is crimsonhound.com. Yep. I am on Instagram and Facebook at crimsonhound training. Okay. Um, and so those are the places that you find me. Awesome. And then we'll link the heart website to, I think. Yes. To, yes. To our notes for this. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. Oh my gosh. I love your expertise and your experience in the rescue dog in the dog world in general. Um, and I thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah.